Today's show is brought to you by Airtable. Airtable is part spreadsheet, part database, and all amazing. The thing with Airtable is it's entirely powerful, but it's also flexible. Take maintaining an editorial calendar. You need to manage an entire editorial process with tight deadlines and lots of moving parts. We are racing to finish the new issue of Digiday Magazine. It is the Changemakers issue. So I can tell you that uh, this process can get very confusing very quickly. But with Airtable, you can get organized in your way. That's why places like BuzzFeed, Group9, and Time all use Airtable. Airtable is flexible enough to adapt to your process, but also it is powerful enough to keep everything and everyone on schedule. Visit Airtable.com slash Digiday to get $50 in free credits. Hello and welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Morrissey. On today's episode, I talk to Elon Zekery. He is the co-founder and president of Genius. You might remember Genius as Rap Genius, the lyrics annotation service I use to figure out the backstory in Meek Mill's songs. Genius, uh, which has your standard startup story going back to a dorm room, is now nine years old, believe it or not. They have they shifted from uh, Rap Genius to simply Genius a few years back with the idea that their on- annotation service could be applied to basically the entire corpus of human knowledge. Now they've gone back to their roots, aiming to basically be a museum of the stories behind music. And in doing so, Genius has branched into original content with its own video series. Elon and I discuss Genius focusing on music rather than everything. It's two years two-year effort, excuse me, uh, at building a business model, and why YouTube and not Facebook is the focus of its platform strategy. And we also talk about Genius's love-hate relationship with Google. One note, this podcast is now available for early access to our Digiday Plus subscribers. If you want to get a head start on our podcast every week, sign up for Digiday Plus membership and uh, get early access to it on Saturday. Digiday Plus is our membership program that includes original research, early access to our top stories, this podcast, uh, exclusive events, a quarterly magazine, and much, much more. Um, it is $395 a year. Uh, for more information, visit digiday.com, and you will see the Digiday Plus tab on the menu at the top. And use the code PODCAST for a 25% discount. Now, here's my conversation with Elon. Hope you enjoy it. Elon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so... Genius is almost like nine years old now, right? That's correct. August will be nine years old. Okay, so Rap Genius started really music, lyric annotations, a lot of search traffic, I assume. Then you guys seemed to broaden out and it became Genius um, and it was about annotating everything. And now it seems to be back more towards the core of music. Yeah, I think at a, uh, I think that's the basic uh, high-level narrative. You know, we actually started as Rap Exegesis uh, before we changed the name to Rap Genius. Good and choice, by the way. I, uh, <laughs> Although, you know, I like the word exegesis, but... Uh, there were some problems with that uh, Nobody domain, knows how to spell but, it or yeah, what it means. Yeah, um, yeah, Rap Eggs and Jesus. Uh, but we, you know, I remember how much work it was just to change from Rap Exegesis to, G- to Rap Genius, so I always got to throw that in. But, you know, from the beginning, um, you know, the, the original 
sort of uh, young young people on a couch uh, coming up with an idea. It was about love of rap music. Um, but from the beginning, uh, it was already broadening out just by its sort of initial uh, group of users who were annotating poetry and annotating French music and annotating classic folk music and so forth. But rap was always the kind of leading edge and the bulk of the content that users wanted to annotate. Um, but over time, there's all of this community energy as we built this community and technology platform around annotating all sorts of text. And we spent a lot of time uh, developing um, both technology and building community around other forms of text. Uh, and while we were doing that, the music, uh, popular music, rap music, um, you know, all sort of genres of new music in all languages, those communities were just growing and the, the audience was growing at such a rapid pace uh, that at a certain point a few years ago, we, we sort of took stock of where we were at and we thought, let's really like fulfill our mission in music uh, versus trying to do everything mm -hmm. at once. Was and that hard to go back to the roots? Because I, I remember, you know, the idea of annotating the world, that's like a kind of thing that like, you know, Silicon Valley and like VCs can get into. It's, it's a big idea. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're not not, not that not that uh, music is not a big idea, but it's it's bigger when you say everything. Yeah, sure, and and uh, you know we're just not that immersed or swept away or hypnotized by the mindsets of Silicon Valley. Like we have been spending every day of our lives for the last nine years, sort of obsessing about what we're doing, and actually we think that you know music uh, along with religion and sports and fashion these are like the pillars of culture and music may even be the mo the biggest um uh sort of universal cultural experience and what we felt was going on is that we are doing something that for all of music is a real enhancement and a real uh enrichment of the music experience and that's plenty big like right. that's a that's a big ambition for us and uh you know the truth is that at the same time right now if you go on genius you know look up shakespeare look up uh you know, President Obama or, you know, whatever, you will find enormous amounts of activity uh, still, people annotating the news, annotating mm -hmm. historical documents, but the whole company, there's not a single employee at the company who is working on that stuff. Right. Because I remember, like, uh, Obama, the, the Obama administration was, like, annotating, like, the State of the Union and stuff, and, and things were going on um, that were well outside of music. Yeah, definitely. Like, Literally, Obama's speechwriters went and annotated, yeah. and Joe Biden annotated, uh, you know, the State of the Union on the White House website using genius technology, and all that stuff was cool. But like, you know, I felt I feel like the most uh, impact, the biggest impact we were making uh, was uh, people loving, understanding, coming together to uh, annotate and add knowledge uh, to music. It was just mm -hmm. people cared more, and we responded to that in a sort of, I think, honest way. Well, that was. Most core to your DNA, right? Because I'm I'm dwelling on this because I think a lot of things going on in publishing are this in that um, a lot of people, you know, started in one thing and then just by the nature of of digital media expanded into into lots of different things. And a lot of people now are, are coming back to to their roots. I think. Who are you thinking about? Just everyone. Yeah. Like I mean, everyone is 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 thinking about focus and and what differentiates them. Yeah. I mean, what. What differentiates genius has been really clear, even as we've gone from, you know, music and other topics. What differentiates genius is we're building, we use a 
we've used a bunch of different metaphors, many mixed metaphors over the years, but, you know, I like to think about it as a museum of songs, uh, the wall of history for music. You know, this is when I first, Nas was the first artist to get involved with Genius, telling his stories behind the lyrics uh, on Genius. And when I met him, he was, he literally said, he said, what I like about this is we're going to sit here and have this conversation. And in a hundred years, when I'm dead, some people are still going to look up my lyrics, I hope. And when they do that, it's great that my stories mm-hmm. get to be there. So this is nothing like social media. This is nothing like a documentary that someone's going to have to find somewhere in the sea of content. Like this is something I can put right on the song. So when you're listening to a song with your whatever device, whatever, however the audio is going to come to you in a hundred years, this informational component, the storytelling component is there. So our identity is about looking deeper into content that you love, art that you love primarily and uh and that grounds all the content we make so we don't do much at all that doesn't have an evergreen component to it that you could look up three years from now five years from now and still be very interested in so uh we have a pretty clear uh grounding in what we do i think Mm -hmm. and and the differentiation there's a lot of lyric sites out there and the differentiation was always the annotation part yes yeah well it's it's the annotation part but it's also there's a number of other things that differentiate us from, I don't know how familiar you are with the other lyric sites, but... Uh, I'm not. I mean, they show up in, in search results. And that's, I want to get at like, you know, are you building a brand? I mean, that's right. always sort of my question for right. people. Because there's a lot of people who say they're building a brand, but I'm not really certain how much they are if if they're just discovered in a, in a feed or, or in, a, in a group of links that Google spits out. Sure, sure. Um, so the other brands in lyrics are basically AZ Lyrics, Metro yeah. Lyrics. And these sites have been around since I was very young. And, uh, you know, we, AZ Lyrics, we call it the purple monster. It's, you know, it's that purple lyric site with the lyrics are center aligned. Okay. Uh, it's a ludicrous looking site, uh, but, um, but kind of funny. But what's, what's interesting about that is AZ Lyrics, so lots of things differentiate genius. One is actually accurate lyrics and the participation of the artists in certifying that those are the accurate lyrics displayed the way you want. Like a lot of people think, oh, lyrics, that's just a fact. You hear the song and those are the lyrics and it's pretty much a commodity. And somewhere the music publishers have a database of lyrics. And the truth is there is no database of lyrics in the world. Like Genius is one database of lyrics. And then there's a company called Lyric Find that has a database of lyrics, which are a lot of them are copied and pasted from Genius. Music's Match is another one that mm-hmm. indexes heavily on international lyrics. A lot of them are copied and pasted from Genius. Genius has a unique way of producing transcriptions and ensuring quality. And it's a huge technology community product apparatus that does it. So new music comes out and fans of that artist race to transcribe the lyrics on Genius and correct each other and yell at each other and describe points to one another and get notified when they're, when an edit is made and then there's disputes and they get adjudicated in the genius community uh, and communication infrastructure. And then in many cases, artists come in and say, actually, this is right. I got one lyric correction and now these are mm-hmm. right. Um, sometimes artists just literally send us lyrics because they know genius is the most important cultural place where you like have the right lyrics. And so they want to have it on the record. These are the right lyrics. So the artist participation is critical, right? I mean, because I, I mean, you're building something that, that, that ideally means something in, in the culture, right? And so, I mean, that different, that's the differentiator. Yeah. The, the, so Artists care that their lyrics are right, first level, base level thing. Artists also care what people are saying about their songs, you know, 
are they do people like it do they not like it but people care that art how people are artists care how people are talking about uh, their music are they are those annotations uh, correct are they a stretch are they good and so we have built technology for artists to come in and co-sign annotations to dispute annotations but most of what we do with artists is actually has evolved like mm-hmm. we first built self-serve products for artists to at, at home do stuff like that or record a webcam video and do an annotation that way but for the first couple of years of working with artists and i'm talking about 2012 13 14 we were sitting with artists or talking to artists on the phone and they would type annotations into a text box and it would show up green highlight instead of gray highlight and that's how you knew it was an artist but now the bulk of the work we do with artists is video and you know I, i've listened to your podcast and you know i pay attention to the world and everyone's talking about pivots to video and making video content as a mm-hmm. way of pursuing ad dollars and so forth but for us it was much more uh, about as we've been building video over the past couple of years it's been much more about, okay, now we have a real flow of artists coming in as part of the general um, schedule of, I release music, now what do I do? I, maybe I go on MTV, I go on Hot 97, I go to Genius, I record a verified video, and it's, it's really, what, do we, what, do we, what is the best use of that artist's time, and how do we build the best evergreen content? So the flagship series we do with artists and songwriters and producers are what we call song-level videos. So it's one artist, one song, telling you the sto- the, all the mm-hmm. most important stories of the creation, breaking down all the lyrics, taking you through the collaboration and so on, or the songwriter producer takes you through and they take you into the software and they say, this is, how I, this is the sample I use. This is actually the sample nobody knows about. And this is how I layered it in. This is how I came up with it. And so these videos are meant, as I said earlier, to live forever. So that song comes mm-hmm. out, still an interesting video 10 years from now. So you have a good relationship with most artists. Great relationship with artists. They look at they look at genius. How they look at genius. You know, promotional so many vehicle. Stories. Promotional vehicle. Uh, you know, we unlike other media outlets, we don't care about the gossip. We don't care about the drama. Like we're all about the music. And so there's some unique things about the way we work with artists and artists look at us and why it sort of differentiates our artist content. So. Uh, you know, take the producer songwriter video I was telling you about. It's de- called Deconstructed, very popular series on YouTube. These producers know they go to their song on Genius and they see a level of obsession in the annotations that is impressive to them. You know, they're and that's the audience they're speaking to. They say, "Okay, Genius, this is my most obsessed fan." So now Genius is gonna kind of start to interview me or ask me to take you through the song. And artists talk to that audience in a way that's sort of respectful of their obsession, respectful of their intelligence, grateful for that kind of fan-artist mm-hmm. relationship. And then to a general art audience, so let's say you don't know a song very well, but you go watch that video. This is very possible, Elon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that artist is going to, you're going to feel like that artist is talking to you in a way that's different from a generalist interview because geniuses for obsessives and all about the music. Okay, so they like that it gets into the nuts and bolts and it's not just asking about the relationship with some other star or something. I mean, now genius is extremely well known in the artist community, okay. so there's rarely ever... But you don't help make them money. Um, I think directly? Indi- indirectly, indirectly we help artists make money and with certain sponsorship stuff we do, it involves artists. So like we'll, we'll sell a sponsorship to a brand that involves some advertising on our site, uh, maybe a sponsored video or s- series of videos and an event. And maybe at that event, there's an artist and the brand pays and we help 
manage that deal and you know bring the talent in and get the talent paid and it's something we do with brands so we do we do get artists paid but it's not like the thing we do at scale with artists which is more promotional and contribution to all of history so Mm -hmm. a lot of artists do it because they think it's cool right we'll be right back after a quick break for a word from our sponsor today's sponsor is airtable the all-in-one collaboration platform teamwork has never been more important And that's hard to pull off in an environment like today's where everything is constantly changing. Enter Airtable. This is a tool that can fit your process, but it's also powerful enough that it keeps everyone on the same page. Time uses Airtable to manage its entire creative process from original idea to the content creation to actually getting it out the door. Airtable empowers you to do your work your way. Try it today. Head to Airtable.com slash Digiday to receive $50 in free credits. Thank you, Airtable. Now back to the episode. So Rap Genius started as a technology platform, really, yes. right? Um, and now you're making content. Yes. That has a checkered history. Technology platforms directly making content, kind of different businesses. Um, why, why pivot to content? I think it's so much driven by artists. So our technology platform was always one that yielded content. You know, basically it started with a group of our friends who were funny or talented writers who knew a lot about music and then progressively strangers that we didn't know who found the website who were talented writers who knew a lot about music. And VCs love that. They're like, oh my God, other people are doing the content for you. That's awesome. Yeah, and not that, I'll tell you, like, not that many VCs loved it. You know, it happened to be the case that Ben Horowitz, who... uh, had the knowledge about music and rap in particular, uh, combined with an understanding of how hard it is to build technology and an you know, understanding of what our technology did. But he was able to look up relatively obscure rap music, find incredibly high quality information. And he was like, wow, this, there's a, an accomplishment here under the hood that I think is important. So you found like the only VC who like is doing that probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of VCs were like, uh, rap lyrics buy. And you know, Ben had some foresight and so did Mark too. You know, Mark came from more of the Silicon Valley annotate the world side. Okay. You know, he wanted to build annotation into Netscape. Um, but there were some issues around, uh, computing resources at the time that made that a very difficult thing to build, but it was always his dream to have everybody browsing around the internet, socially annotating things and, and seeing each other's annotations. So Andreessen Horowitz was uniquely positioned to, to like genius. Okay. But the, the pivot to content, why, right. why get into the content business in the first place? Well, uh, you know, we had, what we had is we had this technology platform that was really a community sort of knowledge creation game that yielded great content for people who were looking up lyrics. So if you were looking up lyrics to a new song, you could either go to Genius, a well-designed site with accurate lyrics and the annotations and the ability to interact with those annotations, edit the lyrics and so forth. So that was a differentiated type of content. But then we started to work with artists and we started to work with artists in text and the, like I said, the amount of artists that wanted to tell their stories through genius and the, um, you know, incredible added value it gave to the songs. And, you know, I talk about songs because that's to us the ultimate unit of content. And it's, it's been a really good match for the streaming era. Um, you know, there was a, a move even in the iTunes era from albums to individual songs. Individual songs have always been important hits, radio and so forth. But in streaming, it's just a giant jukebox uh, and the album doesn't really matter that much except for cultural releases and so on. But, um, but you know, we're trying to improve the content on a song and we have all these artists. And so it's very natural for us to start creating content 
uh, with those artists. And it's relatively new. We're talking about a couple years ago, we hired uh, from Complex, Brendan Frederick, who was uh, you know, one of the top uh, content people at Complex for many years. And the perfect mix of um, sort of nerd archivist, like, you know, Brendan has perfectly organized, you know, every year a ranked list of the top songs and the ranked list of the top Mm -hmm. movies he's seen and tons of archives of magazines. You know, he's just, he's a natural archivist, but he also has the experience of, of creating interesting content of the moment. Uh, And so he was a perfect hire for us to run the content department. And since then we've gone from no videos, no YouTube subscribers to two and a half million YouTube subscribers, you know, wild uh, viewership, uh, that's growing very fast. And it's it's just because people uh, really, really like to, when you like a song, if you like Despacito and you watch that video on YouTube, you're pretty inclined to watch the next video up, which is Luis Fonsi talking to you about the making of Despacito and, mm-hmm. and the inspiration. So the content we make is all companion to songs. So the video strategy is mostly focused on YouTube? YouTube is definitely our most important platform. Why YouTube and not Facebook, if it was a couple of years ago, Facebook, you know, just in feed video. Um, I just don't, I don't find that compelling. Like I, I think that, and a lot of users, I think just sort of are scrolling through Facebook, uh, in a way that's less, you're paying less attention. You're less likely to watch for a long time. You're less likely to, um, care about the brand. And we found that YouTube, uh, especially being a music platform, so Facebook's not a place where you can watch the Despacito music video, at least yet. Mm -hmm. YouTube is, and a natural distribution strategy for us is to be right there when you're playing music. So you know about our Spotify partnership. Um, We're right inside the bones of the song. You know, you listen to a song and watch the thing. And, uh, and YouTube is, is we have a new partnership with YouTube song stories, uh, which has that component, which is like a a new technology format for doing Mm -hmm. kind of like what we do with Spotify, which is an informational companion to songs. Um, but, uh, you know, as close as we can get to where you listen to songs, that's our most important distribution. So it's kind of same question with, you know, people looking for lyrics um, on on Google and then finding you, they find AZ lyrics, they, they find different, but then they see Genius and they're like, okay, I know Genius has good, has yeah. better lyrics, let's say. Um, but the same problem with, with YouTube there because are you building like franchises there or, or or is it just drafting off of um inbound interest to despacito no we're we're building for, i mean the subscription growth is a good, is a key metric for us so okay. we're we're adding 150,000 youtube subscribers a month um and people we we track very closely you know what sorts of videos and franchises are we making and which ones drive subscription there's obviously are we getting a lot of views but like you know, what's more important is this video is so compelling that a user actually gives us the ultimate upvote, which is I want to watch every one of your videos or at least want to know when they're available. And so, you know, we have a couple really successful franchises that have an identity and a brand of their own and also have the benefit of drafting off of songs. So verified is our artist driven. Everybody knows it from the yellow background. So it's an artist in front of a yellow background there's a very familiar, uh, pleasing kind of format to the whole thing. It's they're all about five minutes long. And the artist just takes you from front of the song to back of the song and through a lot of practice. And like we have just wonderful, talented video producers and our video and content team has learned so much producing these things. 
knowing which questions to ask to elicit the great stories about a song. And, you know, I'm thinking right now just, you know, happily about, you know, I like to watch these shoots sometimes. You know, you watch a, a verified shoot. You know, artists might come in, they're quiet at first, but there's a lot of enthusiasm to tell the story of your creative work. Mm-hmm. And I think we do a really good job eliciting that attitude and that vibe. Um, and that's why these videos are successful. I mean, there really is, uh, you know, people subscribe on Facebook, for example. There's a lot of subscribers just to verify it as a series. Yeah. So how big is the video team now? The video team is about 18 people. I don't want to get that wrong, but I think that's right. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty small. Um, and how do you make money? Um, advertising, sponsorship, content licensing, product partnerships, events, you know, it I, sounds I was, like being a band. I, it's funny because I usually use probably imperfectly the metaphor of, of modern publishing is like being in a band. Like it used to be pretty straightforward. And now it's like if you're an artist, you got to you got to do everything. You got to do everything. And we also like, you know, for those listeners who don't know our history, you know, we've been around for nine years uh, and we just started making revenue in 2016. And, you know, we're just we just hired a CRO. And so we are uh, rel- relatively new, new to the game at this interesting time in okay. the media business. And we are, you know, as I listen. What timing? It's amazing timing. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding just because, I mean, people are down on ad models. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, of course. Of course, uh, I've heard and experienced <laughs> and living in a world dominated by these massive platforms who are you know, hooving up all, all these, uh, ad budgets and, you know, you got to fight, you got to build something cool for brands. Like we're out there, you know, pitching people and you got to build something great. You got to yeah. do something really different. So it's mostly cool. like branded content type stuff. I mean, you're not going to pay the bills with, with what YouTube's given you. Not so much. Yes, we do well on with YouTube stuff, but you know, our program, look, we have 105 million O and O uniques. So, which is growing extremely fast. I mean, the graph of just the unique visitors to our website. So display ads, programmatic. Display ads pay a lot of the bills. And like, you know, it's, I know it's not the um, best time for, you know, display ads, probably 10 years too late or whatever, but we make a lot of money from display ads just because we have massive scale. Uh, and we're, and is that all programmatic? Almost all? Um, no, we do, uh, we do some programmatic direct, uh, with certain advertisers and we also, uh, have display as a component of our sort of, you know, steak and sizzle type deals. So if we sell a deal to a great brand and we do a big event yeah. with artists, we also give them a bunch of display advertising. Um, and we, you know, try to make it as, as quality as possible. And, we have great scale on the site, which allows us to make some serious money from display advertising. So, I mean, it's still early on the revenue front, but like, what's the breakdown? Like how much is ads at, as a percentage of the business? Cause you're doing commerce and you're doing some other things. Yeah. Ads is most of it. You know, we also have, you know, partnership with Spotify, it's partnership with YouTube. So you get some licensing. Yeah. We get some licensing and those are deep product partnerships. So we make, you know, we make good money from those, uh, those deals as well. But the, the bulk of our money is from advertisers. Mm-hmm. Does that scare you? <laughs> you know, I don't know. The world scares me. <laughs> I think we'll be fine. Like I, I, uh, I think we have a real clear path to build building a successful standalone business, and I think we're doing it. You know, I feel really good about it. It's hard work, but it doesn't. I would not describe myself as scared about advertising. So, what do you see as like the breakdown? Um, because everyone's diversifying um, from advertising. Like, I don't think many people are going out there and be like, we're 100% advertising. Everyone has their own twists. Um, you know, commerce is going to add some of it. I know you guys were selling some some 
merch. Yeah, I we sell a little bit be. of merch. Yeah. Um, you know, events can be part of it for, for a business like ours particularly, but for other businesses. Um, there's opportunities in licensing and making, you know, products. I mean, I you're think, about to do a Digiday conference. I'm sure you guys make yeah. some money off of that. Yeah, I'm going to have a gonna have a plug for that uh, uh-huh. don't worry it'll okay. be inserted in here digital plus subscribers are, Ooh, are a big thing. nice um i don't know if subscriptions would work necessarily in in your area would they we talk about it you know i think that the funnel that one thing that's so important to us is a casual user who's obsessed with music finds their way to genius and converts to become a community member who is part of the annotation and knowledge creation factory. Okay, so, so someone searches for uh, lyrics on Google. Yes. They're going to most likely find genius above the fold, if not the first Right, result. well, it depends what you mean by the fold, because Google oh. also yeah, has well, a one-box we'll product. They'll shove you down as far as um, they can, but that's... But yeah, we tend to win uh, the orga- we're the top organic search result that's not Google's own result. Okay. And that's a whole other podcast, but... Um, but yeah, people people so find you've, us. You've got you've got the Yelp problem, basically. We've got we've got the Yelp. Yeah, Yelps, Yelp. Those are those are the partners in the struggle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for sure. Um, but Google, I mean, since we're on the subject, yeah. Uh, I mean, Google has been overall. Um, I mean, without Google, uh, the 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 company wouldn't exist. No, Google is our our biggest source of traffic, yeah. and it's a also true frenemy situation. A true frenemy situation, <laughs> and like I used to, I worked at Google uh, yeah. from 2008 to 2010. I have the Noogler hat with the little spinner. It's Got some inside knowledge. Tantalizing hat, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean Google is our main source of traffic. It's a very natural uh, distribution method for genius's content is you're listening to a song. You want to find out the lyrics. You want to find out the meaning of that lyric. You search it. Genius is up first, you know, bingo, bingo. We try to make it a really quick, we use amp, uh, to make a really fast sort of resource, uh, product for Google searchers. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely, and you probably use Google on the ad side to monetize. Oh yeah. I mean, we're just, there's no escaping Google, Yeah, I remember. but they also, they whacked you guys like several years ago, a while ago, um, for something in the results, right? Yeah. That was a little a, brush back. That pitch. was a Christmas, uh, <laughs> a, that was a Christmas to new year's, um, experience for us where we had to sort of fix that. And you know, that was, uh, uh an, oft misunderstood or mis- uh, mischaracterized situation, but long in the past. <laughs> long in the past. Yeah. But I mean, you do have experience because I think right now we're coming out of a period where a lot of um, publishers uh, found out the hard way that relying on platforms is rough, particularly with Facebook. But the upside of Google is that it's a much more mature algorithm. Yes, yes. And it, you know, it, it wasn't long ago that AZ Lyrics was ranking ahead of Genius for 80 out of the top 100 Billboard songs, and that was endlessly frustrating because we have a, a superior product. You know, we've got we've got uh, better lyrics. We got you know we got a superior product uh, in in just about every way. And what AZ Lyrics had was some sort of domain authority. You know, they didn't have the we had that you know 2014 history with Google, which might have interfered with our ranking in some in some way. Uh, Luckily, Google will tell you why. Yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> and you know, it was just really frustrating. We always believed. You know, we we have a very long term view. I mean, look, we raised raised a bunch of money. We didn't make revenue until 2016. So, like, we have a very long term view of the whole thing. 
Um, and so we always believed that sort of the long arc of SEO justice, SEO <laughs> bent toward God. justice. Yeah. And, uh, and it does. And we are first now. And so now we have a lot of traffic. Okay. You're like annotating, annotating Martin, Martin Luther King for you SEO. Caught, you caught the reference. <laughs> Quick break to tell you about an exciting program we have coming up. We are going to the Riviera. If you are also traveling to Cannes this year for the Cannes Lions, we are holding several events, including a live recording of the Digiday podcast with special guest Vox CEO Jim Bankoff. We're doing this at the Dentsu Beach House. We have limited space still available. So if you want to find out about this live podcast recording and some of the other events we have going on, we've got a panel going on a yacht. We actually have a party on a yacht. It's not our yacht. I should, I should make clear. Uh, go to digiday.com slash digidaycan. That's one word. Um, and you will find out more information and you can RSVP for these events. And also you can get our daily Digiday Can briefing. Every morning we're going to be talking about the highlights and lowlights and the absurdities of the week. Um, it's a fun read, trust me. So please go to digiday.com slash digidaycan, that's one word, and uh, find out more. Now back to my conversation with Elon. Okay, so um, how do you diversify from that? Do, do, you even, do you even look at like direct traffic? Oh yeah, we get a ton of direct traffic. So, you know, direct, social, uh, traffic huge you know also we segment our users you know there's really different profiles of users there's our there's our casual user who's just looking to find out what the lyrics are there is a little bit more intense user who's clicking around and reading a couple annotations or maybe going to a couple different songs and spending some time there that the biggest swath of users is in that sort of bucket uh, but then there are super users who are uh, consuming a lot of content there are video subscribers uh you know, there are lots of those users as well. And then there's super, super users who are have accounts and are contributing and are in the forums and are, you know, fighting with each other all day and they know everybody in the community. And then there's super, super duper users who are transcribing 20 songs a day uh, because they're obsessed with the points because their best friends are on this together. And, you know, we look at all those different cohorts and really try to decide who are we developing for right now? Like what's the most important thing for us to do right now? And a big thing for us right now is building... Uh, our video audience and building our brand for video because we think that a because we think that's cool and additive and the community technology infrastructure is pretty mature so even pretty obscure music that comes out right now gets transcribed at a high level gets annotated at a pretty high level um, but bringing people into genius video bringing people into watching these videos with artists that's a big focus for mm -hmm. us now in the early years of the site all we cared about was the super users we wanted to take the 10 most obsessed kids and make them happy and build features for them. And so we have features on our site. You know, there's a, there's something that the most intense users call the fire hose and the fire hose is a filterable uh, fire hose of information where if I'm a user and I want to coach a new user today and I'm really interested in finding somebody because Casey Musgrave's new album has annotations, but not that great annotations. So I'm going to say, show me case, show me users who've, annotated anything on Casey Musgraves in the last two weeks. And they'll show me these users and I can see their profiles. And this one's actually really good. I'm going to write them a message and say, hey, like, do you want to work with me on this? Or do you want to work with this other user? And that's the type of technology that no one or very few people really see, but drives mm -hmm. the success of the product in a big way. 
Okay. So what about other platforms? I mean, outside of YouTube for video? Should Facebook? I like a lightning round on the platforms? Well, let's do it. Let's so Facebook, <laughs> you and watch. Um, what's that? Do you have any watch? Oh shows? yeah. We, we have, we have, uh, we don't really, I mean, the truth is we don't really care that much. Like we think Facebook isn't like, it's, it's a good advertisement for the brand. You catch a lot of people out there. It just doesn't seem like where our audience cares about consuming content. So I think I care a lot more about Instagram than Facebook uh, for the brand. Uh, when it comes to building a sticky, committed audience, the type of audience that translates to new businesses like, you know, long form, you know, what's what's our identity in sort of the sort of music documentary space and so on. You know, I think the YouTube audience is just far and away the most engaged it's promotional. The most it's promotional on facebook promotional on facebook okay. promotional on instagram promotional on twitter real business on youtube real business on our own site snap no snap, snap we you know we, we we probably should be more involved in snap the problem is it's just a whole other format like i said 18 um people on the video team we're a small company um yeah. we're just getting into revenue we're not um we're not a type of company who's got a hundred employees who can siphon off 15 of them to work on, on, uh, on the Snapchat format and also snap, like it's struggling a little bit, you know, yeah. against, against Instagram these days. Yeah. How about, uh, do you look at the OTT platforms as an opportunity down the road? I mean, there's, there's some people like Cheddar and other people who are, are really betting on, um, you know, TV really just unbundling. Definitely. I can't say I have any, you know, particular insight into what the future of bundles will be. But I do think that jumping off from our core identity of evergreen content about music that enriches the music experience, I think there we have not reached the level of premium like, you know, Katzenberg keeps talking about it in terms of dollars per minute. You know, yeah. he wants to like $10 million a minute, like you know, make yeah. me get five minute Game of Thrones or whatever. I don't think we need to go all the way there, <laughs> but I think we could make much more premium content with artists and make incredible, especially for the music that really resonates with big audiences. You know, mm -hmm. take Drake, for example. Like we've done some beautiful videos going into the meaning, the history, uh, insights into Drake's music. I think if we really wanted to take uh, 10 Drake songs and give them a really proper treatment and make it worth it from an economic perspective because it has that sort of audience, you know, we would want to make something super premium that lives forever tied to the song. So, for example, let's say you're listening to that song in Apple Music in 10 years. Um, you should have the option to watch that video. But also, it's an interesting video to just appear on Netflix or to appear on, an, mm -hmm. on a platform. And so I think we are just scratching the surface of that level of premium content. So I think for us, definitely longer form television, OTT is an opportunity to license and create content that extends our brand. Um, but everybody's doing it. You know, every, right. I hear all your podcasts. Everybody's trying to, you know, <laughs> the Cheddar Show and the whatever show, you know. We're not doing it. Yeah, the Vox, but, uh, Vox has a Netflix show I just Yeah, saw. they do. Yeah. Um, but why will Genius do this and why not Spotify? I mean, Spotify hasn't really done great at, at video, um, but they've got a gigantic, gigantic platform, deep relationships with artists. Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of focus. Like, what are you good at? You know, I think, can they, if Spotify was amazing at making documentaries, we would have seen an amazing Spotify documentary by now or doing artist interviews or whatever. And they could, there's no reason to think they couldn't do it or wouldn't get good at it. But it's kind of like people are like, can't Google copy you and build an annotated <laughs> lyrics thing? It's like, good luck, find someone who cares about it enough to obsess about it for 10 years and build for that kid in North Carolina who's asking you for features. Like, I know making a video is not as sort of nerdy and, and in the weeds as that, but like, 
you know, I think a lot of it just comes to comes down to execution. Many years ago, I remember, because uh, I always ask people the same question, why won't Google just do what mm-hmm. you're doing to every single company that I that I met? And so finally, one guy said to me, Google's not the competition, Google's the environment. Um, that sort of stuck with me because it's, it's probably true. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're so big that they are competition, they are environment, they are, it's just a wacky thing. I mean, I remember I worked at Google uh, before they scrubbed Don't Be Evil from their corporate uh yeah. you know, paperwork or whatever so lots changed uh i think that you know i'm definitely on the camp of uh it's really screwed up that these companies are so big and so powerful and they have way too much power they don't understand Do they? their power i mean is there um i mean it's i I think a lot of people just sort of shrug because there's not much you can do about it. I mean, the only people that can do things about it seems like are, are governments. At yeah, this point. I agree. I, I 100% agree. And I'm not optimistic that we'll get good outcomes here, nor do I know yeah. exactly how Jeff the- Sessions is going to decide how to uh, untangle double click from Google. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> I'm a tough, ready for that. It's a tough project, but there's his, there is, there is history of, uh, of, uh, of antitrust and breaking up monopolies in this country that there's a tradition there. And I think there's a lot of zeitgeist now. Uh, if you, you know, not much of a constituency though. I, although in Europe, uh, Europe is where I think the action is going to be over the next couple of years. We've right? seen some action, some serious action already. I, I think it's crazy. I think Have that... we entered the GDPR uh, part of the, uh... <laughs> no, I, let's not do that. Yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> I think, I think that there is real zeitgeist here. I, hope that these that three four platforms don't completely dominate our our lives i think that's Mm -hmm. that's a bad thing that's it's it's an interesting question because genius was kind of born out of the open web right i mean this is like when you know you're annotating you know i don't know it's it's very much an open web idea to me yeah not a, a world of like three closed platforms you can't you can't do much annotation if like everything is behind uh a wall yeah, yeah, we have a we have a sort of open ethos. We at first we were ourselves a closed platform. You know, like I said, it was just us and our friends, and then we would invite people and build a community, kind of brick by brick, in a very sort of invite only. We'll make you an account. We'll let you into our email list and so on. But about eight months into our existence, you know, inspired by Wikipedia, really, we thought, look, there are enough people now in our little group we built brick by brick. And there's, there's enough people knocking at the door saying, I want to annotate. I want to participate in this discussion that we thought, you know what, let's rebuild this. Let's change the way the software works and let's let anyone sign up and figure out how to build a product that yields great content. And that was a big like risk. Like we were completely obsessed with quality at the beginning. Like all we cared about, like, you know, just to publish a song and make it visible to like the 25 people who are visiting our site me, my friend, my other friend, my other friend had a spreadsheet. We all had to go through. We were yelling at each other about why that annotation wasn't good. And so mm-hmm. the idea of opening it up to anyone was tough for us. But once we did it, you know, we were really inspired by what happened and the power of kind of open web type stuff. Uh, and yeah, we we just, I think, you know. <laughs> I guess what I'm thinking about is is enabling people to annotate anything on the web is a very open web decision. Yes. Right? Um and you guys hit a lot of bumps along the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm that's, using euphemisms. That's a that's a. Fa- I mean, no, I think that's that's really fair. Like we built technology that allowed you to annotate any website on that website, and then bad things happen sometimes. Not really. Like I mean, I think what ha- what happened was I think it was a problem of of platform control, and the web doesn't have like very open protocols that allow for this. So what we did is we built one tool, which was hey publisher. 
drop this line of JavaScript into your editor or into your code if you wanted to have it apply more broadly, but you could do it on an article by article basis. And then your audience could come and it would, it would uh, make your page annotatable by your audience and we'll build you tools to moderate and, and, and we'll work with you on how to basically the thing we were smart and figured out how to do on Genius was yield quality annotation by sort of letting people go. We'll help you do that. And we worked with Washington Post extensively on that sort of thing and some other publishers. The thing we were kind of more excited about in our sort of renegade open web ethos was we built something where you could write genius.com slash before any URL. So I right. go to Digiday and say genius.com slash digiday.com slash yeah. whatever article. And then you could annotate and you could share that link. Now, it wouldn't be automatically exposed to any reader because they would need that URL. But you share that URL and that's... And so this was basically like a tool for, for, you know, we thought like positive graffiti, like, you know, figuring out how to make people, you know, hold people accountable. I and mean, part of it was a response to people would take a whack op-ed in the New York Times. You know, yeah. someone wrote an op and someone had an ideological critique of that, that article that was really intelligent. They would copy that article's text, paste it on genius.com and then annotate it. Mm -hmm. A ton of that stuff was going on. People were writing really interesting stuff. And so we were like, what? This doesn't really scale. This doesn't make sense. Let's build something that allows people to travel around the internet. We also built a Chrome extension. There was a nice right. community of people following each other around. But the bumps we ran into was, were, we're not Apple. We can't control the Safari browser. We're not Google. We can't control the Chrome browser. Like, not having control of the... Like, Google could do this. Apple could do this. They won't. Um, but they could. And it would be really, really interesting. But, um, but I think that without... So it wasn't a bad idea, per se. It was just the way that the... The technology is set up; it makes it not that feasible. Yeah, I think I think that's that's correct. And I think another bump was um, the trends in mobile and desktop. So it was fundamentally a very desktop-oriented mm -hmm. product because imagine manipulating the left side of a URL yeah, on a phone. It's like, am I really over there? And I'm it's that's very difficult. Now imagine reading, highlighting text, and inputting an annotation on the phone with multimedia. You're copying and pasting a YouTube video. You're copying and pasting an image. It's just like not a mobile-friendly experience. And we were building that product really right in the middle of the major transitions from desktop to mobile. So I think trends in mobile, not having access to kind of or participation with a major browser, like these were barriers to a really interesting thing mm -hmm. happening. Um, but we still had a ton of we had a ton of fun and had a ton of success doing. And people are still using it even. But what we didn't find was it was worth investing in in the short term versus like you know the amazing stuff that was happening in music. And mm -hmm. you just you can't walk and chew gum and juggle and do everything at once. Like you, we had to focus. Do you anticipate um, down the road expanding into other cultural areas? Because I mean, there's obvious adjacencies um, between music and sports and fashion mm -hmm. and other cultural touchstones. Yes, definitely. Like we, you know, we just had such an expansive orientation circa 2013. When we changed the name from Rap Genius to Genius in 2014, a huge part of that was people not were nonstop talking to us like, wait, you're Rap Genius? But why is the Declaration of Independence annotated on Rap Genius? Like, wait, you're Rap Genius? And so it was just kind of like Genius was a better way to accommodate both other genres of music and all these expansive things. And there was fashion genius and there was sports genius mm -hmm. and then very vibrant communities where people were basically taking photos of fashion shows and annotating and very cool. And so that was our sort of expansive mindset. Now I'm so much in the focus mindset of until we are 
everywhere a song is played until we have a, the Spotify partnership with every streaming service, but with a better product and at more scale and until your average consumer, I mean, more and more, especially with Spotify, people are like, oh, yeah, genius, this is my Spotify. But I want your average consumer, like another metaphor uses, the mm-hmm. Intel inside. So you used to get a PC, and if it had that da, 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 like Intel yeah. inside, it was like, okay, this is going to be a zippy computer. I can trust it. This is a good processor. I want people to listen to music on a streaming service and have something that tells them, ah, genius inside. I'm going to have that fun experience of learning about the song, getting closer to the song, that old CD liner notes type experience available to me. And until we really do that, which we're not there yet, we're not going to worry about fashion genius. So final thing is, what's been your experience seeing the advertising world up close? I mean, having not been in the advertising world for most of Genius's existence and focusing on other things, then you sort of go to the revenue side, you start in the advertising, and you start to see how, how it actually works. I think most advertisers I've met want to do cool stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that um, I think there's a lot, there's a very onerous back and forth process between agencies and clients that I'm observing where agencies are really, really trying to do cool stuff, but they also have to sell to the, you know, they have to present a bunch of different options to a client. The client has a bunch of feedback. Like it's an, it's an interesting pride. And then every sales team is trying to go to the client and, you know, put it, it's interesting to watch the sales process. I really enjoy being in the room, different rooms for the advertising process. I like the, the being in the room with, with the advertisers themselves and talking about the ideas because I think they're genuinely enthusiastic people trying to do cool stuff. And then I also like to be on the genius side with our, content team, our marketing team, our sales team, and kind of coming up with new series, new ideas, new sponsorable things, because, you know, we're trying to basically make, especially as we're new to market, we're trying to think what's the coolest thing we can make. And now let's go out and sell it. Like a lot of it is very creative and forces us to think outside the box of just what we're doing day to day. You know, it's, it's tired, you know, it's, it's an exhausting industry right now. I'm not Mm going to lie. Like it is definitely one where you are fighting with every other, every other guest you've had on your podcast is even if they're not in music, even if they're small, they're a competitor because everybody's fighting for a a shrinking budget and sort of doing double backflips to try to uh, create something at a low margin for advertisers. So I'm not going to deny that it's a crazy time, but there's still a lot of money out there and there's still a lot of people who want to do cool stuff and you, money that's not going to Google. And Facebook. Yeah. And you know, okay. you have to reach, you have to reach people. It's not just, not all eyeballs are the same. Uh, a pre-roll ad on a random YouTube video is not the same thing as real alignment with a great artist. You, you can't, it's, it's not all a commodity. Okay. Yeah. On that hopeful note, Elon, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. This podcast is produced by Aditi Sangal. If you liked our show, please subscribe. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Don't forget Anchor.fm. And while you're there, please rate us, uh, leave a review. Um, We always appreciate that. And it apparently helps this podcast be discovered by other people. So thanks again. Uh, We'll be back next week uh, with another episode.